You are listening to the Revolutionary Force in Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com and wherever your favorite listening choice of podcast is. I'm that Ring Scoops guy. Join the, this episode with Macaval and Kat. Uh, Mac, Kat, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. I'm good, man. Uh, meow to Kat. <laughs> I was going to say when you... I was gonna say it like when you said the name, and I said I, I better not because that would sound very <laughs> like when you said cat. I was gonna go meow, but then I said I better and, not do that. Mac, I know you are a cat lover. <laughs> hey, you know me. <laughs> how how is your little kitten doing? Um, which one? You got more than one now. No, I was, I was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, she, she's, uh, my, my, my little feline cat is, um, bad as ever. She is, um, she turned one in May. So I don't know if you, when you start talking about one and a half, I don't know when that starts, but she's bad. That's all I can say. Causing she trouble. was it. Yeah, she was a rescue. I learned. I love how this turned into an Animal Planet show. She was a rescue, <laughs> and um, when she was rescued, like she was extremely young, so she didn't have an opportunity to get nursed by her mother. So it's like a lot of things she doesn't know. Mm. So that's why she's extra bad. I saw. Yeah. A video on uh, on TikTok recently. Maybe you should you could try it out. Um, I saw that uh, if you take a toothbrush and you get it wet, like a really really super soft toothbrush, get it wet and slightly stroke like the top of their heads. It kind of has like feeling of like the mother cat licking their heads and stuff like that, and it soothes them. Hmm. I learned something. Yeah, maybe maybe give that a shot. I mean, I don't know if there's any truth to it. I just, you know, like I said, it's all in the video. The cat looked like it was comfortable as hell, about to fall asleep when the when the owner was doing it. Yeah, that's a that that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Um. So. So every, everyone's doing all right, right? Yes. Yeah, can't complain. How are you? How are you? How are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah. I'm doing better than uh, some of the people this week in AEW, apparently. Oh, Segway oh, machine. <laughs> and this one won't blow. Oh, no, wait. That was hoverboards that blow up. Uh, no, you know, before we were recording, we, we briefly started talking about that. And, uh, you know, what a way to, you know, what a way to, to, to start the, the wrestling discussion. Uh, obviously, I, I was only aware of one person this week that was uh, tested positive for COVID in the AEW camp. But Kat pointed out. And uh, Mac agreed with her that there was there were more people. So, uh, you know, if you want to get some more in, info on that, let's get the ball rolling on that. Yeah, Kat, could you could you tell us exactly who it was? Because that's that was news to me. I know that um, the murder hawk. Uh, <laughs> he, that's, murder a, hawk. that's a yeah, that's a horrible. 
but that's what they call him. I don't know what a murder hawk is, but Archer. Um, yeah, he had it. Lance and, Hoyt? And, they, and they had to. Um, Did he get it from playing a rock band? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know where he got it from. Maybe because Hoytomania wasn't running wild <laughs> anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but like he, from from what I understand. He was supposed to like they built up. He won the uh, what was it the casino battle royal thing that they do like it seemed like every other month yeah. for a number one contender. He won that, and then they built up this big match, which I don't really know if it could be considered built big, but they built up this match, and they had to switch him out at the last minute uh, because he caught it. But I don't know who else has it. So far, what I've seen. Um, was one of the wrestlers uh, that recently was on AEW Dark, uh, Benjamin Carter, just confirmed that he got it. And um, the rumor is swirling, though it has not been confirmed, that possibly Brian Cage. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, so Taz's <laughs> protege. <laughs> wow. Yep. So I, I guess I guess this is a question of because when this has happened and this is this is kind of like I guess you could say a media marketing thing, right? Because what's funny is like literally while we were logging on to do the show, um I looked at some news articles, just the headlines, and the first thing that pops up is they talk about the outbreak that has happened in NXT um, when NXT had their outbreak. Mm -hmm. Now, it's funny because, you know, the major news story today is supposed to be that outbreak in AEW, but they want to make sure that you remember what happened in NXT. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just very ironic that here we are trying to, figure out how this happened in AEW, which one I literally one of the articles I read, a guy said in the article, he goes, you know, AEW has the best testing procedures of any organization out there. That's how he starts the article. Mm. And then proceeds to say that there were people who tested positive, but also praises them. Well, apparently it is the best test, and if it actually, you know, has results, people don't, you know, skew by. So well, let me ask what you. you Brandon Carter said, or Benjamin Carter said, and said was, yeah, they they, mm -hmm. they make sure that you're negative, and then they allow you to work. But they're also insane. Who the hell came up with the idea? You know what we should do? Introduce people. That and that was the question I was going to ask you too: is how do you guys feel that AEW is running these shows now with a live audience? Do you think that has anything to do with these these positive tests? I wouldn't doubt it. I well, I don't know about the uh, Benjamin Carter or the other person that has it, but I know with Lance Hoyt's story, the what I read up on was that he contracted it because somebody in his household had it, um, which you know. That's no fault of his. That's just like how anyone else, I think, got it. Like the WWE side, Caleb Braxton got it because she was, you know, outside of work, got it. Then she brought it to work. They didn't have the proper testing at that time, and it spread like wildfire, but they got it under control real fast. That didn't happen the second time around. As soon as people tested positive, they sent them home. 
So in with Archer, it happened outside of, of working. He showed up to work. They're testing work because it tested positive, and they're not allowing them to work, which is a good thing. And that's the biggest argument that I've seen that AEW fans are making, you know, that he didn't get it at the AEW event. I can't say the same for the other two guys, but it's good that they're testing. It's good that they're uh, they're stopping this stuff. But, but what? I think I mean, fans need is... to keep that same energy on AEW as they did with the WWE with the whole shut it down sentiment. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is that I don't understand is Taz made a comment. Um, I forgot exactly what his comment was on live TV when the outbreak, when they had an outbreak. So it was a sloppy shop. Yeah, sloppy shop. Yeah, that's that's the that's the exact terminology. Um, and they did that because I, I remember that's when Renee had contracted COVID, and John Moxley was, you know, kind of quarantining because they weren't sure if he had it or not. Which he didn't, but, right? Right, he did not. Yeah. So what I don't like is that this is a very big worldwide pandemic. I don't know if you guys know of anyone, but I personally know of two people that have passed away from COVID-19. I had a relative pass away. Right. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I'm sorry, I forgot to even mention that. Absolutely. I remember you telling me about that. Uh, rest, Rest in peace. Um, so this is not a joke at all about this virus. So when no, Taz my makes... just actually got a, mm-hmm. has just had a stroke, and they believe that it's from her testing positive from COVID. They believe um, that COVID tied into her stroke. Wow, that that's um, that, I hate to hear that. Yeah, this 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 is not. We do, of course, we come on here, we give our opinions about wrestling and stuff like that. But this is a really serious situation in the world. So for Taz to make a comment like that and for management to be okay with that, when all these, you know, this was before, of course, what's happening now. But even when that was taking place and things were going on in the world, I don't think there's a line for wrestling and there's a line for real life. And AEW, in my opinion, always seems to be the company that if something happens to them in real life, it doesn't matter. But if it happens to somebody else in real life, then it's a big deal. I mean, somebody else I'm talking about the WWE. And to to expound on what I mean is, let's say, for example, somebody has a stupid gimmick that's given to them. In AEW, it's fine. Just let them grow. Just let them push. They're trying new things. They're not afraid to experiment. They're innovative. They're doing things that's never been done in the business. But if the WWE does something like it and it fails, oh, they're the worst booking ever. Oh, Vince is out of touch. Oh, uh, you know, you need to fire the, 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 the writers there and bring in some real wrestling minds. And this goes back to the prime example that I'm talking about, I definitely want to get your guys' input on this. I am seeing a lot of people talk about how the the group retribution is a ripoff of the Dark Order. Now, in my opinion, Dark Order didn't work, not working, um, and retribution is not working. 
But when we're talking about giving excuses to these companies, how do you feel? First of all, how do you feel in terms of that um, comparison? One, and then two, why do you feel when things fail in business with AEW or things like this crisis have broken out, why they always end up not getting the blame? Why is that? Okay, you go first. AEW is so new and innovative and it's so great no i agree with you dark order there's only i i know a few of the members in dark order i followed them from watching some of the indies but the two most successful members to me in the little bit of things i've watched of aew has been anna jay and Brody lee retribution um I kind of want to see what they do with it. I honestly think it will be great. I think the two females in that group definitely deserve to be there. And it's about damn time one of them got there after 21 years. But, you know, it's a whole thing of people want to literally attack it before it even starts. Because it's so easy to just go, oh, well, you know, the Young Bucks and Cody, they're so great, blah, 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 blah. They're literally rehashing out old ideas. And as, you know, Wade and I had said before, they're getting a bunch of former WWE guys. That's the majority of your company. Right, exactly. Um, So... What do you feel about, I think you answered it a little bit, but I definitely want to hear further your further thoughts on it. How do you feel about when things don't work for AEW, the excuses that the fans give? Is it because they just hate the WWE so much, or is it because they love these indie guys that are now mainstream uh, more so? They just want to, they hate Vince so much. So, because to them, they're like, oh, well, Vince needs to retire, blah, 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 blah. Because look at what all these wrestlers said. Yeah, okay, we're going to take the word of Chris Jericho. Got it, guys. What was that one saying? Don't bite the fan, the hand that always fed you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you think, Wade? Um, I, the only comparison that I can make from Dark Order and Retribution is a visual, um, comparison that they're similar. Uh, uh, everything else is a little different. Um, the way they've approached things a little different. They're not a cult. They're not trying to put out little things out there saying, join us. None of that kind of stuff. They're, it's a group that's already got their members. It's a group that's already got their core values. It's a group that wants to make a message and get their voice heard. Dark Order wasn't like that. Dark Order was, hey, we're a couple of outcasts. If you feel like you're an outcast, come join us. And we'll band together and we'll make a name for ourselves that way. Um, obviously, it turned into, you know, Brody Lee being signed, becoming the leader, the exalted one, whatever the fuck his name is. And all he is is... Um, Every week, he uh, his promos and his vignettes 
are like they came out of the uh, the official rule book of the WWE that came out a few years ago where they just had a bunch of inside jokes on Vince McMahon. And that's that's nowhere near retribution. Um, as far as like the the characters in retribution, I guess I guess wrestling fans forgot that re- in wrestling uh, people get repackaged. It happens. It always happens. Sean Stasiak got repackaged how many times back in the day, right? Um, yeah. I made a tweet earlier this week making a connection to that. If Twitter was alive in the 90s, people would be complaining, oh, we know Savio Vega was quang. Why are you insulting our intelligence? Hey, he got repackaged. Rikishi was the Sultan. Who gives a shit? Sultan didn't work. Rikishi did. So, you know, Dijakovic. Oh, and was Godfather. Yeah, and he was Kama Mustafa, the supreme fighting machine. I mean, we all know that, you know? But... People act like that, that. That like this is new. Like people get repackaged. You know, apparently, uh, you know, those that are booking Raw and SmackDown, you know, maybe they didn't like the the characters or the, the personalities that these uh, NXT stars showed, so they created new characters for them. I mean, nobody complained about you know um, when they brought the Shield in. The Shield was nope. a, was, a, was a great trio. But well, actually, they, they did. They did. They did complain about the Shield because I remember actually Kevin Nash made a comment saying, why, first of all, why are they called The Shield? That's a horrible name. And then why are these guys coming out in bulletproof vests? They thought that was, he thought that that was corny. Yeah, well, now, that's, a, that's, that's, that's cosmetic. I'm talking more about like yeah. the in-ring work kind of stuff. Like people are complaining. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody complained um, about this. Uh, what I'm trying to say, the complaint about The Shield the biggest complaint was these are three guys that can have singles run. Why are you banding them together? They should be pushed better than that and have individual runs. And that's what a lot of people are saying about a lot of these people that are in retribution, that they should be on an individual run and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and then the second question, and I definitely want to get my two cents. The, de- the second question was about how do you feel about um, AEW always being the internet darling if they make a mistake? Honeymoon phase. When when um, when you first meet somebody, you're holding hands all the time. Yeah, you know, I remember. Um, you know, not long after Crystal and I got together many many moons ago, um, one of my brother's friends always joked at us. You know, always made fun of us because we were always holding hands. You know, obviously we don't do that now. It's, it's been you know well over ten years. We don't do that anymore. You know, um, I, we still care for each other, obviously, but I mean we don't we don't look at each other the same way as we did the first day we met. And I think the same thing applies to wrestling fans and new products that come along, especially those that have been promoted to be, we are going to be a hundred percent different than the stuff that you hate. And they promoted themselves that way. So immediately they, they picked up on, you know, on their emotions. That's, that's a, that's a rhetoric thing. You know, the three pillars of, of, of rhetoric, you know, you got logos, pathos and, uh, and ethos, right? Logic, ethics and emotions. And they really played on the emotions on this whole thing. And they got they got people. So a lot of people are, are turning their backs on them, especially after the whole Matt Hardy thing. But they still get they got those jaded fans that just have that sour taste in their mind. When you would you you with somebody for so long, you know, you break oh, up yeah. with somebody. There, oh, yeah. there, there's some, <laughs> yeah, there's some deep rooted, bitter feelings about that. And I feel yeah. that's exactly how wrestling fans are when it comes to both WWE's product and their feelings about Vince McMahon 
and wrestling media, and I hate to fucking call it wrestling media, wrestling information spreaders, those websites, they, they, they fan the fire is what they do. They egg people on because it creates hits for them and they don't give a shit about, you know, the consequences of the, the bullshit that they fucking put out there on the website. They just care about, you know, oh, I'm going to meet my quota for my CPM this week. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I the, think. To piggyback off of those great takes from both of you, um, first of all, retribution and this uh, thing with the Dark Order. Now, I don't think there. I, I didn't see any type of comparison at all, but I, that's kind of what the whole IWC um, as a whole. I guess if you would take a poll. A majority of individuals feel that there's comparisons between the two groups. Um, my opinion is that with the whole retribution thing, it is very new, it is very different, and you can tell that they're trying to figure out how to properly introduce these characters so they're main event stars eventually because i think this is building up to a big survivor series match with retribution involved um i don't know if they're going against the hurt business i don't know if they're i I feel like this is a you know a big time match at survivor series that they're building up to to really try to showcase these guys that's what i think i agree but most definitely but i definitely think like one of the things i mm -hmm. liked about in their recent promos was they literally you know one of the things that stood out to me Mm-hmm. Uh, was they literally went, we're sick and tired of every single one of you top stars just now doing it for the money. We're not here to do it for the money. We're not here to do it for the fame. We're here to do it because we love it. And I, and I think, too, what made the Shield popular is really when they started attacking any and everybody. When this was because remember they were they were the hounds of justice, right? Mm-hmm. So when they started like poking their nose in John Cena's business and you know doing doing things that the fans secretly you know didn't like, you know a Super Cena being in existence, but then you know them triple pom- power bombing him, you know when they did stuff that fans liked, then that's when the Shield really started to take off. I think that with Retribution, the thing that is missing is that there is no true 100% heel on WWE program. I don't care if it's Raw. I don't care if it's SmackDown. I don't care if it's NXT. There's no one on any one of these brands that fans 100% hate. Randy Orton, they're really trying to push him to be this great big monster heel, but since the Ric Flair thing, he has lost so much steam as being the top heel of Raw. Losing the Keith Lee unexpected lost so much steam being the top heel of Raw. He does not have that thing that he had before where he seemed like he was untouchable. And fans like him. So I think if Retribution had the great you, whenever you're having a feud or storyline, it's only as good as your partner in it. And if they don't have a good partner, then Retribution is not going to take off. I don't care what their names are. 
I don't care if you call them what, what was that the 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 Viking Raiders? I mean, they they had a different name for for like three weeks yeah. every time they would come out. So it doesn't matter what their name is. Are they in something that's interesting enough that's going to keep you captivated to watch this group? And so far, it's no. I think if they wanted to make them heels, you should have kept have them kept uh, messing with the Mysterio family. The Mysterio family, like that is the biggest babyface act I think that they have in WWE right now. So if they had them keep constantly beating them up and maybe them feuding with the Mysterio, then you would have 100% had a different view of Retribution because Ray would have pulled the best out of them. Dominic would have, I mean, he's a younger guy, but he's such a, such a huge baby face that you would have no choice but to be invested in the map. But there's no good, you know, opposite side for them. And hopefully they get it, because if they get it, then I think that everyone's mind is going to change them. But I don't, I don't have a problem with them trying something new. What's the, what's the problem with that? I'm not going to crap on it, because you know you don't like their names. There's been far. I mean, everybody remembers this Visra. His finishing maneuver was called Visagra. <laughs> But no one, but no one, like you guys, everyone liked it, right? So yeah. it's not a problem. But that is so stupid. You remember what the actual move was? That he just basically humped somebody to death? Yeah. That was fine, though, right? Like, you put them in something that matters, and then the whole narrative will change. As far as AEW is concerned, I really like what you said about the honeymoon phase. Honeymoon phase is a real thing. And one thing that really gripes me, how many debuts are we going to have new superstars? Cutting the I same mean, promo, keep, too. Yeah, you keep signing them and signing them and signing them. Now, I don't, Kat, you may uh, be, like, into the indies and stuff. I'm just not into it anymore like I used to be back in the day. So unless it's somebody that's really into the indies and knows who these people are, then maybe they'll have some excitement. But me, I don't know who any of these people are. So I can't get excited if I've never seen this guy before. And to, I can't get excited. To, to jump in real quick, to add on to that point, yeah, but, Mac, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. the one, there's one thing that we can't, we cannot get upset at AEW for regarding that. They did okay. tell us from day one that they will not be catering to guys like us, that, it will be their hardcore following. And if the hardcore following is the indie market, then I mean, I can't really fault them on that. Not saying that it's a good thing, but that they did warn us. That's true. But they the, did. The pro- but one thing that I think is really dumb is the fact that they mm-hmm. instantly made some indie wrestlers like Sammy Guevara. Who the fuck ever heard about that guy? And now all of a sudden you want to make him a main event, a main event star? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the You're first, dumb. First time that I ever saw Sammy Guevara, ironically, what I think it was 2016 or 2017 during his run with Impact Wrestling, and I was impressed with his work in Impact. I'm not impressed with what he's done in AEW from what I've seen. You know, some guys are just good wrestlers. That's it. They they don't. In terms of promos, they're horrible. In terms of uh, of. Um, like this is this is a real big throwback. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. 
Oh, wow. Hey, you made Jim Cornette smile. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> beautiful, Bob, beautiful Bobby Eaton never talked. Why? Because he has such a serious Southern drawl that no one could understand him. But he could work. He could work. Mm-hmm. He could work. And a lot of these guys that they're bringing into this company of AEW, they can work their ass off. But as far as the character aspect, that's a problem. Like, for instance, Sonny Kiss, which is a very controversial character, right? For those who who watched wrestling back in the day and all types of wrestling, there was this guy in the company called XPW. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, There was this guy named Angel. And Angel was called, because XPW was basically a death match. And Angel was called the Hardcore Homo. Mm -hmm. And they would cut, they would say from way West Hollywood, the (laughs) Hardcore Homo Angel, right? Now, the thing is with Angel... Is that he, in my opinion, I ne- I've, I've, I've known him behind the scenes and stuff like that. I don't know if he's really, you know, gay or not. If he is, that's his business, right? But when he was his character in the ring, he turned it up to a, to a level that people liked him. What they did with him, and he knew this, is he said, the only way I'm going to get over is I'm going to have to really play this gay thing up. I'm going to have to do... Stuff that Goldust did, but it's going to be different because people think I actually like it. They gave him a boyfriend, and his boyfriend was this big black guy, and his name was Crack. Oh, jeez. So whenever Angel got in trouble, then here comes Crack to save him. Now, the reason I brought this up is very simple. Angel was smart enough, and XPW was smart enough to understand that if you're going to introduce such a controversial character in deathmatch wrestling, where he's put on some of the best deathmatches in the history of the sport for those who like deathmatches, he's put on great, incredible matches. Even regular matches, he's put on great. He's a great worker. When you have someone that understands their character to a T, then they will tweak it from the national stage. And that is something that AEW does not understand. Sonny Kiss cannot work like he's working on the indies. These other guys can't work like they're working on the indies. You're on national television. You have to get better. You have to do better. And you have to evolve your character because it's about pay-per-view buys. It's about ratings. And it's about selling merchandise. Well, it's like you figure they only had, what's his name? Nakazawa on for their pay-per-views. And they've not really used him except for a translator for the Japanese female wrestlers. You know, they've not had him wrestle on Dark or Dynamite because his whole gimmick is he oils himself with baby oil. Yes. They realize this cannot work on TV. Sonny Kiss, when you when they introduced Sonny Kiss, in my opinion, I was made to believe Sonny Kiss was joining, was being a part of the women's division. Because that's something that Sonny Kiss has been known for, is wrestling many females. I assumed that as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so Which I'm would like, make okay, sense. that'd be that would be great for Sunny Kiss. And then all of a sudden, I see Sunny Kiss now teaming with Joey Janela and being a part of all this. I'm like, that don't work to me. Like, for Sunny Kiss, when I look at someone like Sunny Kiss, who is very flamboyant and very much, and you see him even on his social media, he's with all the girls hanging out and all this other stuff. In my opinion, that is someone you should have put in your women's division. Yes, to some people that would probably cause controversy. To others, it would make sense. It would make so the, much sense to have the way Amy Kucherov. I mean, Kucherov, oh, no, that would make so him. much sense if you put him in the women's division and had him feud with Nyla Rose. And have Nyla exactly. Rose, and because Vicky, I don't know if Vicky is still her manager, but to have Vicky come out and say, who wants a man in the, in, in the women's division? And be so hypocritical, so hypocritical, that the fans, the audience, everybody will call it. Like, you have to, if you're going to do something that's never been done in entertainment, you have to call things out that people are thinking. Let's get the elephant out of the room so then we can suspend your belief. So if Sonny Kiss, because the first time I saw him when he was actually, because um, I've never, like I said, I don't really follow the, the indies, but the first time that I saw him ever was, or her, I don't know how, what he prefers to be called, and I'm not trying to be offensive to anything, but first time I saw uh, him work was the very first uh, all, I forgot what they called the, the the battle royal that they had. I was on free TV. And Tommy Dreamer was there. Yeah, the, the cash in, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like Battle Royale, yeah. Right. So so they brought out Sunny Kiss. And this was my first impression of seeing a lot of these guys. So the only person that really stuck out to me that I never saw before was Luchasaurus. And apparently that they agreed the, the same way because after the show, they signed him to a contract. He's the only person that they immediately signed to a contract after that battle royal. So I agreed with, you know, introducing these new characters. I didn't agree with having such outlandish personalities that you want me to pay my money to, to, to watch the pay-per-view. I didn't. There was so much going on. Like you had the, like you said, the Kazawa guy with the, the baby oil. Then you have Sonny Kiss, who I've never seen before, who was literally in the corner and was doing a maneuver where he was had Tommy Dream. He, he, he was grabbing Tommy Dreamer and literally having Tommy Dreamer headbutt his ass repeatedly <laughs> in the corner. And I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this before. I don't know. This is my first impression of this wrestler. Then you have Orange Cassidy that comes in, and it's like everyone's popping in there. I I don't know who this guy is. So at some point, AEW has to really, and I know we have to get to you know our predictions, but at some point, AEW really has to quit bringing a bunch of people in and develop who you have. We have exactly. Miro. Miro came in right. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but they debuted him in a tag team match. And they said, the comments that I saw on AEW's YouTube page was, oh, great. 
that's fantastic that you're having Miro start at the bottom and work his way up. That's what everybody was saying. I'm like, are you guys crazy? Hmm. Miro just came from one of the hottest feuds or storylines in the WWE. That was just what? When, when was that? Like eight months ago? Yeah. And you're gonna bring him and you're gonna bring him in and you're gonna put him in a tag team match where he's the only person that looks like a wrestler? And then he's selling for guys that are, you know, lower on the card, smaller than him, too. He's selling for Sonny Kiss. But you main evented WrestleMania against John Cena. Yeah. You faced the Undertaker in a casket match. Like I don't I don't get the logic of 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 what you're doing with these people when you bring them in. Like what are they what have they done with Zack Ryder? What is is he in any type of feud of of worth or is he just wrestling? I don't even know if he's, he's wrestling, on. right? He's riding Cody's t- coattails. Well, Cody came back this week too, by the way. Right. And 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 I'm so tired of them making Cody like he's Sting. I don't care for Cody Rhodes. I don't care how many tattoos he gets, how many suits he wears, how many times he dyes his hair. You're trying to make him like he's the star of the company because people love Cody. The star of the company is going to be dictated by the fans. And if you guys just want to, you know, stick with having a million people watch your programming every single week, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep just keep keep doing what you're doing. But the end of the so day, in my opinion, the, the the star that they're truly making is mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I've yeah. been the clips I've seen every week with him, especially that promo this week on John Moxley talking about you know. Uh, they were they were good friends. They started out the same, and then he went on. You know, Moxie sold his soul to the devil, become a sports entertainer, while he's still one of the boys on wrestler and death matches. And and he called him out. He goes, "Come on out, sports entertainer." That was it was beautiful, man. Like, and like the, my comment on that when I saw that clip was, "All right, this is what a promo should be planned. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, of course you got to plan out a promo." Scripted? Oh, hell no. That shit right there, that was on the flyer. You could tell that motherfucker went out there. Nobody told him exactly what to say. They just say, get some heat and shoot. And he did. Yeah, and that's that's someone right there that you can completely push. Uh, Mac, I definitely agree with you. Th- this whole thing of we're trying to push Cody, it's ridiculous. Oh, we lost him. Oh, Mac's back. And, yeah, you, I heard what you guys said. My, my phone cut off. But right. yeah... He's a talent that you know. Some guys you can just tell them get in the ring, cut a promo, and they can they can go. Mm-hmm. They can go. There's no problem. They can go. They can't really tell anybody else to really do that. I mean, maybe Jericho. Maybe Jericho. Um, Jericho and Mox, because the two of them are are two that are great in the mic. But yeah, and then and for me, like with John Moxley, uh, it, it's kind of hit or miss sometimes for me. But he can he can go if you get him in a in a compelling storyline and this is the go home episode before the pay per view, he can sell that match. He can do that. So you can't have the same blueprint for everybody. That's why there's so many groups in AEW, 
And that's why there's so many managers in AEW because they know that a lot of these guys, if you, they can just wrestle. They can't just, they can't talk. They can't, they don't understand the other aspect of it. So that's why there's, you know, so many different things going on in just one promotion because they cannot stand on the, on, on just getting in the ring and getting yourself over. MJF should have been world champion. I don't understand why. I don't understand why that you just refuse to have any of your homegrown guys at this point wear the title and then get, get themselves over. MJF is a guy that will make people want to tune in to see what happens. Mm-hmm. The guy you want to see get punched. Exactly. And you believe him. I went to school with a lot him. of guys like him, man. I'd love to see him get his ass whooped. You know, you that, that's all, like the one thing that I said is I was literally talking with a friend when I literally said Mox went over MJF. I'm like, that is the dumbest move AEW made. You have I mean, the perfect opportunity. Run you have the perfect opportunity. You know, hey, we send this kid that's been getting some notice on the indie scene and people have been noticing him from L- MLF and L- or MLW and all this other stuff. Dude, you could have put a title on him. You would have skyrocketed to the moon. Absolutely. By the time you do it, you know, he's going to be he, too late. Yeah, it's going to be too late. All the steam is gone because people were talking about like just I remember it was a while ago. They had a meet and greet, and the kid took a picture with him, and he flipped the kid off, and it was all over the internet. It was all over the internet. I remember so, that. That was hilarious. So if he was the champion, and he cut a promo with the world title over his shoulder, talking about, I don't give a damn about kids. I don't give a damn about this company. I don't give a damn about the boys in the back. The only thing I care about is winning and money. That's it. And you cut that promo, now you have so much heat, and now you can't wait to see the pay-per-view to see if the baby face takes the title off the heel. But we didn't exactly. do that. We didn't do that. No, it seems like you know most of their uh, head advisors are literally, in my opinion, like they made this company to go into business for themselves. Oh, and yeah. to push themselves. You know, Wade is like what I said to you last time we had the conversation about AEW. Cody is trying so hard to be Dusty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's trying hard sure. as hell to be uh, Triple H, too. <laughs> Straight up. And it's like you can't be either. Nah, no. You got to be your own man in this business. You got to be your own woman, your own individual. Yeah, because Brandy Rhodes is definitely no Stephanie McMahon. Oh hell no! <laughs> and, and, but she Cody. seems to think she is. Not in any department. <laughs> <laughs> Not, right. I mean, she's you know she's an attractive you know woman, but she does not have that stop and look superstar quality that Stephanie did. Mm. Just, just just remember the transition she made from Daddy's Little Girl. To the boss, Stephanie McMahon. I just recently watched some of those, too. Some of those Raws and Smackdowns and stuff right around that area. She would come out. Yeah, she would come out in, like, the little wholesome sweater and shirt and 
and flat hair. Yes, Daddy, I love you, Daddy. I'm so excited, Daddy. And then when the Triple H thing happened and she clicked the switch, man, you there's different layers to Stephanie McMahon. And Randy that was, Rhodes. That was the first time we'd ever saw her on television, too. She wasn't even a proven commodity, and she was able to, to come out like that. Right, she showed a lot. She showed a lot of range, a lot more than and Shane it, did, too. <laughs> yeah, like, and and you know, and it's not comparing the two. No. It's what AEW has made us compare. Mm-hmm. We would have never made that comparison unless you started talking about how I'm an executive, but I'm a wrestler first, unlike other people coming out and, and using the sledgehammer against the throne and all these different things. Like, I, I just up. really, I, I don't, I hate to just keep bashing AEW because, you know, anybody that can get work, I, I congratulate them. But you gotta really focus on you. Exactly. You gotta focus on you. Why are you talking or thinking about the competition? That's where TNA made their, uh, when TNA was riding high, where they made their biggest mistakes when they brought in um, Eric Bischoff and Hogan, and then now every single week they're going after the WWE. No one cares about the WWE. If well, I go to meet- that, one of the things that Christian Southern said when mm-hmm. AEW was starting, they mm-hmm. asked him, "What is your advice?" He said, "Number one thing: don't try to compete with WWE." Become your own thing. Don't do what TNA did and try to bring in all these superstars and try and think you can bury WWE. You can't do it. It's not possible. Everyone seems to think that, and it always comes to how much money. Remember the argument? Well, Dixie Carter's father owns Panda Energy, and he has really deep pockets. And they can really compete with the WWE once things start rolling. They have the money. Ted Turner is that pockets too. Ted Turner <laughs> is a you know billionaire. He he can compete. He actually, but the thing is, is he won. And the only reason they won is because they created something that was uniquely WCW. Well, not only that, you think about it the business practices, maybe not directly from Ted Turner, but those that he put in place, like an Eric Bischoff, they have a legacy for things that they've done to change the business and not just from a product standpoint. If, if it hadn't been for the run of WCW and Eric Bischoff and, and whatnot, there wouldn't have been guaranteed contracts. There wouldn't have been um, the, the, you know, the philosophy behind a, a television war uh, mm-hmm. on how to, you know, how to coexist with two major promotions on a national level. That would have been that would have been new right now. If there would have never been a WCW and then AEW come along and try to compete with the WWE, people would be like, "What the fuck's going on?" There's blueprints because of that shit. They paved the road for it, right? And I guess people can argue, well, they used a bunch of WWF guys and got over. Okay, I'll give you that. But the thing is, is they weren't taking shots at the WWF every single week. No. Now when they started losing the Monday Night Wars, then that is when they started taking shots. That is when Eric Bischoff came out and and started talking, giving the spoilers and stuff like that, when the ratings were dipping. Because he was desperate. 
there was also a period of time where even though they were using some of the former WWE guys at the time, they were still creating some new stars. You can't say that without WCW, a guy like Scott Steiner wouldn't be, you know, who we know today. Um, even though he was a failure, Buff Bagwell. I mean, come on, man. He was Marcus Bagwell, American males. What happened? Buff Bagwell became somewhat of a household name to a degree. People still, you can mention him to a lot of hardcore wrestling fans today and people know who Buff Bagwell is. I bet you 20 years from now, if you ask, uh, you know, who's, who's the Orange Cassidy? Somebody's probably going to be like, I fucking know. The character on the growing pains in the 80s or something named Boner. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and of course, about um, the biggest thing that made the NWO really work and go is two things. Number one, you've never in wrestling seen the heels win so much. Mm-hmm. You never saw that. You never saw, you know, the heels just destroy all of the baby faces every single week to the point that I remember Eddie Guerrero went to management and said, hey, you're killing me every week. How am I supposed to get over when these guys are beating us up and laying us out every single week and spray painting? So that's when they said, okay, well, we'll give you your own organization. They gave him the LWO. That's when he cut that infamous promo with the hot coffee, right? I don't remember. Well, he spilled that coffee on himself and says, there you go, Bischoff. I'll burn myself for you so you don't have to burn me. Something along yeah, the was that? Yeah, was that the promo where he came out in the ring with a suitcase? Uh, I think so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, I, just, I, mean, I just remember the cup of hot coffee and he poured it all over himself. So what, what I'm saying is that you know, they did something that's never been done like that before. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, made people want to see what is the NWO going to do next? Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, what is Stone Cold going to do? AEW needs to take that formula. What What is going to happen next week? Every single week is some type of gimmick. Like, I think next week is Jericho's 30th anniversary something. Like, it's... it's Every week, there's some type of gimmick. Quit with the quit, you know, payoffs to get ratings. What are you going to, what is the main storyline that's going to make me tune in? What is the one thing that's going on that's making me like, oh man, I got to see that. I got to see that. That they don't have anything. The funny thing is when, when Miro showed up, and Kat and I were talking about this in a previous podcast, is, uh, I said that Miro is one of those kind of guys that's going to make me start to turn my head towards AEW and kind of give them a little bit more attention and maybe want to watch it. I've had for a week and a half on my marker board to remind me every night, open up the video on demand on the Spectrum app and watch Dynamite to see what Miro is up to. Week and a half, I have not watched it yet. I see it every single night, man. When I get out of my wheelchair and in bed to relax, I look over at the board, remind myself, and I just don't do it. I, and th- there's got to be a subconscious reason why. I can't pinpoint it right now, but it reminds me, and it's easy to do. You grab the remote, you turn it on, and you hit play. And I don't do it. Don't know why. I think it's because maybe you're afraid of what they're going to do with him. <laughs> Possibly. That's what I, that's what I think. Because it's it... <sighs> JR made a mistake. And the mistake that he made was that he put on his finishing maneuver, the accolade, 
and JR called it the accolade. But we're trying to, you know, push ourselves away from WWE. Can't use anything WWE. So Miro decided to name the finishing maneuver game over. And when I heard that that's the name of his finishing maneuver, there's no reason for me to watch AEW. I'm I'm this game over. No pun intended. Yeah. Even though this has become like an AEW discussion, but no, you know what? (laughs) Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna make this its own separate episode, and we'll do a separate episode for the podcast uh, for the pay per view predictions. Okay. Sounds good. Because we're running up on about 51 minutes here. I don't like to make the podcast too long for people, so that's why we'll split it up into two different episodes. But um, let's wrap this one up. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, on on the topic at hand? Uh, Kat, you go first, and then Mac. Uh, I definitely have to agree with Mac on that one. The the finishing name is dumb, but the the one thing that I can't stand is literally I just recently went and watched, um, you know, the dark matches, and all they have is all their women mainly on uh, AEW Dark. Quit trying to promote Brandy as a wrestler because she fucking sucks. Wow, so they have her working training. So she so she's working dark? Oh yeah, that's where they had her and Anna Jay's match, and you literally can tell like people, even hardcore AEW fans were laughing that Anna Jay has only been wrestling a year and Anna Jay was fucking carrying Brandy Rhodes. Oh, boy. Oh, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I've seen people, and this is not a knock at all at the School of Hard Knocks, but the School of Hard Knocks ran by Jesse Hernandez and San Bernardino. I've seen women walk in there and within five weeks put on better matches than Brandy Rhodes. Straight up. I don't see any type of allure to Brandy Rhodes outside of her being, you know, somewhat of an attractive. I don't think she has good mic skills. I don't think she has superstar quality. I think that she would have made a lot of money in this business if she was a Miss Elizabeth type. And when I mean Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth barely talked, always looked great, had great facial expressions, and is a legend in this business because of that. If Brandy took that type of role rather than being, you know, in the ring and taking bumps and all these other things. I think she would be much further along and it'd be a much better act with, with Cody and herself. But um, Oh yeah. I, I definitely see why it is that one of the things that a former wrestler that was around FCW at the time Brandy was training agreed with Bill DeMont when Bill DeMont told her, Don't ever fucking try and wrestle again in my in <laughs> this ring. <laughs> that's that's a pretty humorous statement there. <laughs> Yeah, when Bill DeMond's telling you to stop, that means stop, sweetheart. Bill DeMond yeah, but... knew his shit, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And what's he bad is... He may have been this... an asshole, but, you know, he, he knew his shit. He knew his stuff, absolutely. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I, I want to like AEW. I really do. I want to be, you know, I want to find another alternative... Um, that I enjoy and can't wait to see um, come on TV in terms of wrestling. But it's just every time I see it, I just, in my head, think, why do they do that? Why is this match so long? Why is the commentary so stale and bad? 
Like it's it's just too many. Why is the theme music horrible? The theme music is horrible for like ninety nine percent of the roster. There's only a few people that have decent theme songs. Like it's it's I don't know. That's my last. That's my last statement. I don't know. <laughs> well, as Mr. Hand said in Fast Times Bridgemont High, I don't know. I like it. We're gonna leave it up on the board for the rest of the class to see throughout the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on RingScoops.com, YouTube.com slash RingScoops, Anchor.fm slash RingScoops. If you would like to follow RingScoops on social media, it's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all with the same username, RingScoops, and also Twitch.RingScoops.com. If you want to check out some of the live Twitch feeds, uh, the streams that we do, it's like Slam and Jam and whatnot. It's good stuff, man. And, uh, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops as well for all your RingScoops merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops. That's it for this episode of the RingScoops podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm that RingScoops guy saying thank you. Good night. And be cool.